Welcome to uh, Virtual Church Media and Quantum Kingdom Life. I'm David, and this is my lovely wife, Joanna. And there's the Queen's Wave. So much fun. We are here tonight. You're in a live audience out of Orlando, Florida. Say hello, everybody. Hello. Hey, it's Christmas time in the city. We're celebrating. It's that time of year. We're excited to be here tonight. We're going to talk about a subject called the Divine Combination. The Divine Combination. You know, uh, a good recipe has a combination of things in it. And if you make cookies, they might have wheat or they might have uh, flour in them. They might have sugar. They might have chocolate chips or some nuts, a little nutmeg. There's a combination of things like your mother or grandmother's recipe that was different than what you or I make. It was divine when you would eat it. You're like, oh my God, that is so good. What do you have in it? It's a secret family recipe. We don't give that out. And you find it somewhere else and it just doesn't taste the same. God has a divine combination for us, but instead of it being a secret recipe, it's a recipe available for anyone and everyone who will open the B-I-B-L-E, the basic instructions before leaving earth, and search out a matter. The Bible says it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. So tonight we're gonna search out a matter on the divine combination of faith, hope, and love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Now, how does this apply in our lives? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because tonight we're gonna find out how this applies, not just in our life, the divine combination of faith, hope, and love, but how we can recognize when the divine combination, that perfect, tasteful, wonderful, satisfying recipe of God's divine combination is present in a local church community or a gathering or a fellowship or a home group. And we're gonna distinguish the difference between faith, hope, and love by their individual manifestations, outgrowths, or fruit, as well as the combination together. So here you see a table is got my book, JetRideToHell.com. Get yours today for Christmas. <laughs> uh, you see this table has table legs underneath it. And let's say this table had three legs and one was faith, one was hope, and one was love. What would happen if one of the legs was weak and we set something on it? It would either topple over or crumple. You couldn't sit on it. But if the three legs are strong, you can sit on that table, you can put things on that table, and it's stable, it even makes it through a hurricane or an earthquake. Well, sometimes we have strength in one leg, our faith leg is strong, and we don't have faith in another, we don't have strength in another leg. So tonight we're going to recognize what those three legs are, the divine combination of faith, hope, and love from 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And if you've never read the chapter on love in the New Testament, Paul's epistle to the church at Corinth, who had amazing signs and wonders and gifts, they were a faith church. But they did lack love. Matter of fact, they had counterfeit love in that church. And there's history on the church at Corinth. It was actually a city where ships would come in 
So it was a port city. And in that port city, sailors would come off. And sailors have been at sea for many weeks. And there was things that they were looking for when they got off the ship that may not have been a biblical type of love. And so they went riotous drinking, this and that. And they also had a temple there where they had temple prostitutes. And so there was all kinds of things in that city that were contradictory to the biblical behavior that we're called to as Christians. But guess what they did have in Corinth? They had tongues, interpretation of tongues, they had the gifts of the Spirit, they had faith, they had miracles, they had signs, they had wonders, and they had a few other things going on. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, reading down, he said, it is commonly reported among you. So this was a regular thing that went on in that church. There was a, a fornication problem. So they had a counterfeit love instead of a biblical love. See, because love can wait, but lust cannot. Lust must be satisfied, and it never can be. But love can wait. My wife and I, we waited, came together on our wedding night. It's a better way to do it. And so I encourage you, if you're not married, do it the right way. If you're already on that journey and you've stumbled in that area, pray with the person, either break it off, because sex outside of marriage, sex with a friend before you're married, sex will either ruin a good relationship or it will keep a bad relationship together. Boy, say law, pause and reflect. <laughs> Got real quiet in this Presbyterian church. Okay, so, so faith, hope, and love. So they had a big problem. But there was a man in the congregation at the church of Corinth where signs and wonders and miracles are taking place that his son was sleeping with the father's wife. And he says this type of sin and behavior doesn't even happen with the Gentiles and all believers. Yet it's happening in the church at Corinth and instead of you addressing the issue, you just let it go on. The Apostle Paul says, but I've already, absent from Corinth in the spirit realm, I saw it. The Lord showed me in a vision. And I've already dealt with that thing. You know, the Apostle Paul would give people's flesh over to Satan for punishment that the flesh might be destroyed and the spirit might be saved on the day of judgment. That's pretty strong words, but it's in the scriptures. He also gave... Hymenaeus and Alexander the coppersmith over to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme because they had rejected prophecy that was by the Holy Spirit concerning their lives. And the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, said my son Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20 says, I urge you that you wage a good warfare and keep the faith, he says, and that you remember the prophecies that were spoken over your life that by these prophetic words, you might wage the good warfare and fight the good fight. Because sometimes when a prophecy comes out, it's because it's to strengthen you so that when everything is contrary to the word of God, you stand on the word until that thing manifests. God's delays are not God's denials. The only thing that can keep the word of God from coming to pass in your life when it's a true prophetic word is if we tap out and we don't contend for it. Wow. Wow. Don't tap out. It's, it's rigged for you and I to win if we don't quit. We need that energy of power. 
to persevere and wait on the promise. Though the vision tarry, wait for it. It shall not fail. It shall surely come to pass. Habakkuk 2, 2 through 4. So Hymenaeus and Alexander the coppersmith had rejected the prophecies. And by rejecting the prophecies, they became what the Bible calls shipwreck in their faith. And then they began to become those that ran their mouths in the congregation and spoke against the Apostle Paul. So the anointing in the Apostle Paul annoyed the demons in them. So he prophesied over them to strengthen them for them to get on the path. And prophecy, when it comes forth, true prophecy, it comes forth, it literally lays down like spiritual railroad tracks for you to get your car on and stay on track with. And then when the enemy tries to derail you in your faith, you remember the prophetic word. No, God said. You know how I got through 20 years of prison? It wasn't easy. Not, not easy. I had a messenger angel God sent to me in 1990. And he put his hand on my thigh. And I, I was awakened. And, and he put his hand on my thigh. And he spoke 12 statements over my life. And... Those 12 statements were a prophecy about my future. And then I went into this deep sleep. And I don't know how long I was out, but it was the most peaceful sleep I think I've ever encountered in my life. If they could sell that on an advertisement on TV, I'm going to tell you what, that's the real shalom peace of God. I don't think you can bottle this one and sell it. It's free for all who will seek him. He will keep him in perfect peace to his mind is stayed on the Lord. And... The last thing that he had said to me, the angel said, you must sing praises to the Lord, for it is done, for it is done, for it is done. And I fell into this peaceful sleep. Anyway, I woke up, got slapped on the thigh. David, get up and speak, or write down the statements the angel spoke to you. And so I got up, and I'm like looking for an ink pen and a prison cell in Leavenworth Penitentiary in Building 63. I found one next to... Uh, you know, some of the cockroaches got them out of the way. About 200 cockroaches in the cell. Your tax dollars hard at work. And uh, so I got it. It was hot at the time. It was like really warm in, in Leavenworth in that building 63. It was summertime. And so I was trying to get the Bic ink pen to write on my uh, legal pad. And I remember when I was writing, the, the, the ink was clotting, but I was trying to get these statements out. And out of the 12 statements, I got five of them out. And I couldn't remember the other seven. They were for the future. They were for after I got out of prison. And they are still sealed in the realm of the spirit. And they're sealed in my soul because they were spoken over me. The Lord will unlock those things that were sealed. And so every time I lost an appeal. And by the way, I got indicted three times. So here you get the word of the Lord and I just kept getting new indictments. Over a period of four years, 11 months, and 27 days. So three days before the statute of limitations ran out, I was indicted one more time. It was the prosecutor's final gesture before leaving office. A little love gift to me. And uh, that indictment was sealed. But anyway, it's in my book, uh, Joe Wright, Hell, Journey, Freedom. True story. You can't make this stuff up. The good news is, 30 years later, I saw him. And God allowed me, and I didn't know it was him. God filled me with a love. Because the greatest of these is love. 
And I walked up to him at the end of a business meeting where I was speaking at, closing out the meeting, and I was filled with this love in my heart for this person who was at the table, and I was presenting this, this, this product, a medical device at the time, and I thought, who is this guy? He looks familiar. And so I just couldn't figure it out. He got so crazy, he looked at me and says, are you looking at me that way? And I said, yes, I am. I didn't know who he was. And I walked over, so it's good to see you again. I shake his hand, and he says, yeah, it's too bad, you know, what happened to you? And I'm thinking, okay, well, he knows my past. I don't know who this is. Still filled with this love. And he says, wow. And he said some things that weren't really, you know, Christian words. He was really upset about what happened to me with the federal government, how they really put the screws to me. We'll just use those words. That's not really the words that were used, but a little stronger and I thought, man, this guy's really suffering from some bitterness. I'm probably going to have to, you know, pray for him. I'm thinking, who is this guy? I'm filled with this love. And I said, well, you know, you may move on. No, but they really put the screws to you. And I'm like, yeah. And he said it with real vitriol. And I looked at him. And uh, he says, you know, I'm on the criminal defense side now. And all of a sudden, bing, this is the guy that put the screws to me, not the government. This is the guy <laughs> And I'm thinking, man, we're leaky vessels. And I started to leak out and I maintain the love level. Because you can never reach anybody or impart to anybody or impact anybody with the love of God unless your love level exceeds their issue level. Mm -hmm. So you always have to maintain a higher level of love than the person's issue. If they have small issues, you can have small love and still be effective. If they have bigger issues, you have to have bigger love. And if they have really big issues, you have to have really big love because the water needs to pour down not try to splash up. Anyway, uh, at the end of this conversation, I won't go into the details, he said, well, how did you get through the 20 years in federal prison? And I said, I called him my first name. I said, well, would you say Bill? I said, well, Bill, I said, I've learned one thing. Prison will either make you bitter or better. And it's always our choice. I just chose not to be bitter. And he looked at me. And I said, well, it's good to see you. And I went to shake his hand. And when I did, the love of God on the inside of me wrapped my arms around him and hugged him. And I held on to him. Now, guys don't hug for very long, especially an ex-con and an ex-prosecutor during indictments. And it was supernatural in nature. And as I let go of him, he kind of like something had happened. There had been an impartation. And as he walked off, I thought, wow, this is incredible. God, you enabled me to pass this test. God pre-qualifies us to pass. He didn't warn me. He didn't show me who that was because he knew that I might get double-minded and think about the 20 years I did, the extra, you know, I, was, I had a plea agreement for two years and then I got 22. So there's more to the story that really makes it not so pretty, but it also highlights and validates the power of God's forgiveness for me as a former jet thief and cocaine trafficker, and for him as a prosecutor who would misuse his oath of office to withhold evidence, hunt people in the system, bait and switch plea agreements, because God used him in my life or allow the enemy to use him in my life to bring me into a place where I really needed God. And God, I think, used me in his life so that he could actually feel tangibly the love of God for the first time in his life. 
kind of like one of those Corey Ten Boom moments. I don't want to compare them, but just that for illustration purposes, as her sister was killed by a guard who went and asked her after he heard the message of God's forgiveness if she would forgive him. And she had to forgive or Christ wouldn't have forgiven her. But in those moments, there's grace. There's unmerited favor. There's a supernatural power that makes no sense. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So I had to maintain faith on the prophetic railroad tracks as I'm filled with the love. And we have to maintain what God has spoken. One of the things the angel spoke to me is he says, you are workers for the Lord. You shall emerge victorious. You must study the word of God day in and day out. So the last 15 to 20 minutes of conversation shall place your adversary like a pebble from the ground that is cast into the sea. And then the other statements and the last I heard was, you must sing praises to the Lord for it is done, for it is done, for it is done. Anyway, two years after that happened, I was placed in a position where the government's key witness that had testified falsely against me, kept a couple hundred thousand dollars, turned us in for the crime, long story. And I was placed into a position and uh, I was very non-cooperative. And then when that issue came up, that was the only thing I was really willing to uh, talk about. And they didn't want to talk about that. They didn't want to talk about other things. And anyway, they took notes and those notes ended up resulting in a further investigation and the government's key witness against me was later indicted for perjury premised upon his testimony against me. I got no time reduction for it and they threw me out and called me a liar. But it was true. But the last 15 to 20 minutes of conversation caused my adversary to become like a pebble from the ground. It was You can't make this stuff up. But see, when God's word comes over your life from a messenger angel or a true prophetic voice of God, I'm not just talking about God tells me that he loves you. God tells me that, you know, he's got a calling on your life. Those things are all true. God does love you and God does have a calling on your life. So if you don't have anything else to say to people, that is a true prophetic word because it's in the Bible. But I'm talking about detailed stuff that comes forth from the prophetic anointing of the Holy Spirit. Times, dates, seasons, that kind of stuff. So Paul the Apostle told Hymenaeus and Alexander the coppersmith, prophetic words over their life but they didn't have the faith to walk out the prophetic words in 1 Timothy 1 18-20 so because they didn't have the faith to walk it out they got shipwrecked in their faith people get a prophetic word and they lose focus on the sea walker and the winds and the waves of adversity come and they sink into the circumstances like Peter who was walking on the water with Jesus and Jesus says oh Peter thou of little faith the word little there really is synonymous with small in endurance because it took a lot of faith to step out on the water at night didn't it he had big faith but he didn't have enduring faith and a lot of times people have big faith but they don't have enduring faith there are rabbits that run around, but they're not turtles that just keep doing it. Is that helpful at all? <coughs> so God wants us to have enduring faith. And what happened with Hymenaeus and Alexander the coppersmith 
they began to run their jibs, man, they began to run their mouth, they began to speak against the Apostle Paul. They began to cause division and strife. Their word doth eat like a canker. They were cancerous with their words. They were causing problems in the church. And the Apostle Paul, a second time, gave their flesh over to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. The Lord's actually had me do that on two occasions. And you can't just go do that, otherwise it's like a form of witchcraft. When God tells you to do it with prophetic utterance, it's for restoring such a one in a spirit of meekness. And after I had done this one time, <laughs> a staff member actually, I really even hate to share this, I'll just say that there were calamities that came into her life. And then God used me to lead her in Christ and to restore her. She had done some really not so kind things to me. And then God used that to restore her and she got healed and some other things. Then she got born again and God blessed her life. So when God hands flesh over to Satan for punishment, it's for a restoration to bring them back and to restore them and give them double for their trouble as they serve the Lord. So faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So now we have the divine combination. So faith, hope, and love. Well, what does a faith church look like? A faith church has signs, wonders, miracles. We attend the church. There's miracles every week. I mean, last week they put up on the board 63,742 came to Christ. Last year it was 2.2 million. I mean, 13 countries where souls were won last week. And some of you attend that church and you walk in there, the presence of God is there, signs and wonders, they're leading people to Christ on the street. There's water baptisms going on. I mean, it's an amazing church, right? I think they're on track to win, I think, almost 5 million globally this year through the outreach that really comes from Orlando, Christ for All Nations, Nations Church. So a lot of faith churches have signs and wonders, but when the signs and wonders and miracles don't happen right away, sometimes people lose hope. And then they cast off hope or they cast off restraint and they go back to fishing. They go back to the world. So you've got faith churches that if they don't have the other two table legs of hope and love, they become unbalanced. Doesn't mean they're not effective in certain areas. Amazingly effective. And by the way, where we attend church, it has faith, hope, and love. It is a full gospel church with the divine combination. When you pull up to church in that big parking lot and coming through, people are out there waving signs, or they got coffee. I mean, it's, it's amazing. People are hugging, there's genuine love. And the person with the sign, you see them for about three weeks, you don't see them for three more weeks, you're thinking, oh, maybe they got another position, maybe they backslid. The next thing you know, you see them up on the platform and they're pulling up video footage and they just won 25,000 of Christ in a crusade. That's why they were gone. Then they got the donuts and the signs again. You're like, you can't tell who's who because there's not really that kind of hierarchy because everyone just gets in where they fit in and they walk in that faith, hope, and love. So it's really amazing. But most churches, interestingly enough, have a strong suit and a weak suit. So you can go to a full gospel Pentecostal church and get signs or wonders and get healed and deaf ears pop open, come out of wheelchairs and praise God, you got it. And then the next week, somebody on that church that was used powerfully, they might be mean as a rattlesnake and look like they've been baptized in lemon juice. So they've got, if I have faith that I can move mountains, but I have not love, I'm like a clanging cymbal 
or a resounding brass. So I've met some people in TV ministry that are amazing teachers, amazing, <coughs> amazing healers. They're prophetically accurate. And I've met them offset when the anointing lifts, and I'm like, wow, I wouldn't want to be their neighbor. <laughs> they just don't have the, the, the hope and the love. But faith, all time, extreme. So get around people, receive from the Lord what they have by association and impartation, and then get around somebody else who has love, get impartation there, have a role model for you. Get around people that have incredible hope for the future. So let's just touch on a few things here on faith, hope, and love. Has this been helpful at all? Yes. So just want to balance this out because God wants us to have the full gospel, the sum of thy word is true. And sometimes we have a tendency to do smorgasbord Christianity where, you know, we eat the cake and the ice cream and the cookies and we don't eat the, the collard greens and, and, and the beans and the other things and the salad that we need. Because it's great to have the cake and the ice cream and the cookies, but you can't live on it. They're added unto us. Seek first the kingdom of righteousness, the kingdom of God is righteousness, and all these other things are added. So we don't want to like delete off the goodness of God, the, the cake and the ice cream, but we don't want to just live on the cake and the ice cream because there's practical living as well. We need the meat and the potatoes and everything else. The Bible reveals three primary aspects of the kingdom of God, faith, hope, and love. Now, these, things, three, uh, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, that's the New International Version. The gospel of the kingdom was taught and proclaimed by Jesus and the disciples. Jesus fed the multitudes, healed the sick, and cast out devils, demonstrating faith, which is the power of God. He forgave the woman caught in adultery in front of her religious accuser, telling her to go and sin no more, revealing God's unconditional love. Jesus' message to the world also included the future of believers in heaven for eternity with the Father, imparting God's hope to the hearts of the hearers for the future. Together, these three aspects comprise the message of Christ to the world today, making up what I refer to as the divine combination of God's kingdom, faith, hope, and love. In keeping with Jesus' example and the example given to us by the early church in the book of Acts, the present-day church is proclaiming each aspect of God's kingdom in varying forms across the earth, and God celebrates every single one of them. Some vividly proclaim God's message of faith, while God's power for healings, deliverances, and other miraculous signs are demonstrated as a result. Others share God's message of hope, imparting faith in the afterlife and establishing the hearers in biblical truths that strengthen them and their walks with Christ. And others yet give God's message of love to a lost and hurting world of humanity, resulting in the compassion and unconditional forgiveness of the Father and bringing emotional and spiritual healing to the brokenhearted. There was a man who was powerfully used of God in Colorado Springs, and he had had a, a wound in him where he had been violated as a young boy at age six, and he carried that wound with him. And he built a church and completely revolutionized Colorado Springs and that whole area and brought the churches together in love. That stronghold in him uh, caused him to go out and do an inappropriate thing, caused him to lose his church. And he was married with children, and I knew somebody who was one of the founding members of that church when there was only 17 members in the basement of that man's home. 
And he said this man was filled with love and he had faith. But that thing unresolved evolved and caused him to stumble in an area. Because hurting people hurt people, wounded people wound people. And if you're wounded, either go wound somebody else or you go through self-hatred and wound <coughs> yourself. And so he lost that whole church and about 14,000 members. He wrote probably one of the best books I've ever read on evangelism. Absolutely amazing. And when he was exposed in that area of weakness, I just said, that cannot be true. It just cannot be true because he's done all these other things. I believe had he had people around him that operated in love, that he could have confided in, this is a stronghold in my life, it's a weakness, I need healing, then he could have been delivered from that and not fallen. But because the table leg of God's love was absent in reaching out to him in his life, stumbled and fell, and then it confused people in that congregation and in that city and really around the world. And so I don't think we should judge people that fall. You know, in the NFL, it's an interesting thing. NFL players make millions and millions of dollars a year. And in fact, these guys are the top and the best of the best. And they're fighting it out on the field. And what happens is this. When the, the game is close and these players are playing, and all of a sudden, one of the, injured, or one of the uh, players is injured on the field. The whole 80,000 people in the stand fall silent. Both sides fall silent. They hated this player who was scoring these points against their team, but when they're injured, they all fall silent. And they're all like, you know, good thoughts and prayers wherever they're at, you know, drinking their beers and hot dogs and whatever it is. But the point is this, they fall silent out of honor for that player who's injured. Rarely do you hear anybody in the stands go, good, I'm glad he's fallen, I'm glad he's out, you know, this and that, he deserves it. You don't hear that. They all fall silent. And then all of a sudden, when that player gets up and he limps off, they all clap. We're a little different in the body of Christ. When the Baptists see a Pentecostal fall or a Pentecostal sees a Lutheran fall or a Lutheran sees Seventh-day Adventist fall, different teams, instead of us falling silent and praying until that person gets up, we have a tendency to go, I told you he wasn't right. I always knew there was something not right about him. I think we lack love in the body when we do that. And so I think we need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. If you can pay $150 to go to an NFL game and $42 for parking and $50 for you know a hot dog and some soda pops or whatever it is, and you can wait in line to get in, and when a player from the opposing team gets injured, and you can honor them who you don't even know, how much more are brothers and sisters in the Lord who've been on the front line scoring touchdowns under the Lord for eternity where it really matters? Eternal points on the scoreboard of heaven. Can't we fall silent and pray for them instead of saying, I knew there was something wrong about it. Say, oh Lord, have mercy. Beware lest ye, beware you stand lest you fall. Take heed lest you fall. Um, beware that you think you stand. Take heed lest you fall. In other words, we have to, I didn't quote that completely right. The point is, the only thing that enables us to stand is the grace of God. 
Do you know that without the grace of God, you would be into every evil thing? You just would. Your flesh would take over and you'd be off and running. Not me. Oh, yeah, you. Romans 2, 4 says, Don't you know that it is the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance? He starts off with, Who are you, O oh man, to accuse another? Don't judge another. For as you judge another, you do the same things. It's like the person who judges somebody for being a, a drug addict and they got their hands in 15 donuts. One's got a sugar addiction the other one's got a drug addiction. I mean, and by the way, eat as many donuts as you want. This isn't a donut conversation. Just don't judge the person that has another stronghold. And so then if you do overcome all those things, don't judge somebody who hasn't because it was the grace of God that enabled you to overcome them. When I see people and I'm like disgusted with some behavior, I look and I'm like, oh, I think, oh, you know, that's just by the grace of God. I'm not probably doing that too. God, you've taken me so far. You've delivered me so much. Never forget where you came from. Or God might have you revisit that place. Amen? So when you see somebody in a lesser position and they're bound in an area, thank God you're not there. Not in, I'm glad I'm not like other people. Oh, no. God, thank you that I'm no longer like that. I pray that you would deliver them as well. Have mercy on them as you had mercy on me. In fact, Lord, I've still got issues. Have mercy and deliver me in these other areas. Have you ever had the Lord convict you of something years into your Christian walk? And you're like, I can't believe I'm convicted of that. Lord, why didn't you tell me about that? And God will deliver you. Lord, why didn't you bring that up? Because you weren't ready. Did he love you any less while he was in the process? While yet we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Faith, hope, and love. Love delivers us. Who knows? God might have you hug your prosecutor or your persecutor. It may not be a federal criminal case, but we've all had people persecute us in one form or another. So as we close out on faith, hope, and love, I want to share this with you. There are negative results of a faith church. One weakness that underscores the faith message can be a lack of unconditional love for those who aren't healed immediately. You can kind of tell who your friends are if you've ever been in the hospital for two weeks. They all visit the first 72 hours. It's the ones that continue to visit after two weeks. Those are the love people. Those are the hope people. Faith people, they bounce in. In the name of Jesus, put 55-gallon drum of hydraulic anointing oil, spray you down, pray over you. That's a joke. They pray over you, and you'll be fine. And then when you're not fine in two weeks, they're like, they didn't have enough faith. But people with love, they'll come back time and time again until they get it. Um, if an individual isn't healed, delivered, or prospered at the same speed as another in the congregation and often faith churches, they're often told they must not be operating in faith. Faith testimonies that have worked for one member successfully when that was how God was moving in that person's life doesn't always work for another. When this breakdown occurs, the individual often wrongly feels rejected by God and the congregation and feels hopeless and inferior to those around them. Never feel, when, when, when people of great faith are around you, you shouldn't feel eclipsed by their faith. You shouldn't feel smaller in their presence. If it's God, you should be lifted up by them. The only time we look down upon somebody is when we're bending down to lift them up. Hope. 
The hope message to reveal the future of joy we'll all experience with Jesus. Sometimes you go to pray for the sick and it's their time to go home. And it's not a failure to pray the prayer of release because when they exhale here and they take their last, when they wake up in heaven, they inhale there just that quick. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. So we have to celebrate that as well. Not as a loss, not that we don't go through grief and sorrow, but everybody has their time. And if it's their time, we have to allow them to exhale. And then no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain. Former things have passed away and all things are become new. A primary weakness that frequently cripples the overemphasized message of hope alone can be a genuine lack of God's power and faith. I go to pray for people and they've been in certain churches that have great hope. They don't really operate in a lot of faith. They have faith in the afterlife. And they say, what do you want me to pray for? Oh, my church has been praying for me to have dying grace. And I'm like, wow, that's really great. Grace to die. And there is a grace to die when it's God's timing for you to go. Where they haven't been feeling pain and whatever they pray for, God will man manifest an answer. Then I come in and they're like, I'm like, well, how about this? What if, just by happenstance, God wanted to heal you? Would you be okay with that? They're like, sometimes they, they don't know. Sometimes they're ready to go. And I said, let's just go ahead and pray. So I meet them at their level of faith, or I ask them. Like, for example, sometimes I go to pray for somebody who's going to go get a surgery. They've worked months to get their insurance approved for this surgery. They've got a lot of effort into this. This is their answer to prayer. And they're not in the donut hole. They, they've got their deductible out of the way. They're going to do it before the end of the year. And the last thing they want me to do is pray for healing because they want to get that surgery because they want to get their money's worth. Yeah. And they're 20% deductible. I mean, people are just in different places. And I said, well, let me ask you this. What if God wanted to heal you before surgery? Would you be okay with that? Well, I, I've already got the surgery set up. I said, let me rephrase it another way. Do you mind if I pray for a miracle and if God doesn't do it, thank God you got the, the surgeries all set up and maybe that is your miracle. And they'll say, well, I guess that would be okay. <laughs> then I pray for them and God heals them and they're like, I can't believe it. That's their level of faith. I can't believe it, but God still healed them because the gifts of the Spirit came in. And other times I pray for people a number of times and the breakthrough doesn't come yet. So you got to press through with hope and love, not just faith. So that's one of the weaknesses of the hope leg when it is not is not coupled with faith and love. It's always about hope for the future instead of now faith is. And then the love message is wonderful. But the love message without faith and without hope can become a message that really isn't love. So for example, one of the weaknesses that may plague the love only message, and I say love only, 
is a lackluster ability to minister tough love when tough love is necessary. Sometimes when somebody's on drugs, you gotta cut them off financially. You're only fueling their addiction. And that's tough love, especially for a mother who's born with mercy in her womb for a child. But sometimes people have to be sick and tired of being sick and tired before they're ready to turn to the victory in the Lord. So sometimes you can actually fuel, it's really unsanctified mercy. So I'll give you an example. Uh, congregants may demonstrate unconditional love for the alcoholic, drug addict, fornicator, or homosexual offender while failing to preach the life-changing truth that will set them free. They may fear offending or judging anyone. Love without faith for deliverance from sin is an unbalanced table leg of God's truth. If we truly love someone, we'll want to see them set free and delivered from sin, not just love them while they wallow in it. The Apostle Paul says, Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Truly the greatest of faith, hope, and love is love. The love of Christ suffers long, it's kind, it does not envy, nor parade itself, it's not puffed up, nor behave rudely, does not seek its own, it is not easily provoked, nor thinks evil, doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. God is releasing a combination now in the earth of his streams. We've had faith churches, we've had hope churches, we've had love churches. God is now bringing people together in unity where we no longer look at one church versus another, like restaurants. This pastor in Colorado Springs, the church down the street was a Presbyterian church and they didn't like what was happening at the church where he was at. Signs, wonders, miracles, presence of God, people were getting delivered. And so they actually spent a lot of their ministry money on radio time speaking against that church. And so, really, judgment fell on that church for speaking against the anointing and the anointed. And so that pastor discovered that the church was being foreclosed upon and they were going to have to close their doors. And so he got up. This was before he fell from grace. He got up and he says, Our Presbyterian uh, brothers, who you've heard on the radio, that has spent the last two years on an ad campaign against us, uh, just got foreclosed on. And everybody's looking at it. And they're like, do we clap? You know? God's removed the enemy. And he says, you know, they've got a food pantry over there. We don't have a food pantry. So we have no food feeding program. They have a really good one. He says, they may have spoken some not-so-nice things about me and his church. They sure have helped a lot of people with their love in the area of food and the homeless. He says, they're our brothers and sisters. We can't allow them to fail on our watch. He says, so today we're going to take up an offering. And he says, we need enough to save their church. And he says, and I'm not going to preach today. He says, I'm going over to their congregation with the check to save their church. 
his love level was a bit above their issue level. And what happened is all the congregation dug down deep and they wrote checks and they counted it and that pastor didn't preach, the worship went on and he went over to that church and he walked into that Presbyterian church as that pastor was getting up to preach and they had a somber day because they were closing the church and he walked in and that pastor saw his enemy that he'd slandered for two years walk right down the center and he's thinking, oh my gosh, this guy's here to gloat. He walked up very quietly, he says, I, I have something to say. And the pastor didn't know what to say. It's like, wow, I'm really out there. There's nothing I can do. On my final day of church, this guy's going to come and gloat. He said, our congregation took up an offering for you. And this should pay off your church and your debt free. He says, you have a food pantry. We don't have that. And we need each other in the body of Christ. And that pastor unified the churches in a city bound with new age and witchcraft. And he brought unity. Now, he had an issue unresolved that evolved. And I hope that pastor, when that individual fell on that issue, he had excellent doctrine, excellent love, this and that. But he had a stronghold from a wound. And he fell. I sure hope that that pastor went and did some act of kindness for him. There are people that you may not agree with on every issue. We can agree to disagree agreeably. But when they're in need, if they're doing something well, go meet their need with your ability in that time. Now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. For those that are listening online, if you've never received Jesus, God's love for you, he was hung up for your hang-ups and mine, he could have called for 10,000 angels, but he remained on the cross and he willingly gave up his life that's the ultimate sacrifice of love. No greater love as a man than this, that he give up his life for his friend. He called you friends while we were yet still in our state. He says, I'll do it, Dad. And he gave his life for you and me. If you've never received Jesus, just receive him now. Just say, I turn from my sin. I turn to you. Come in. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me anew. Fill me with your power and your fire, write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Change me, transform me by the power of your Holy Spirit. Take out my heart of stone, give me a heart of flesh, put a new spirit within me, put your spirit within me, and let your cleansing fire come and set me free in every area of stronghold. I give you permission to begin the work that so radically needs to be give you my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The greatest of these is love. I feel like uh, someone might be struggling with unforgiveness right now. That it's, you've been so deeply wounded that it's just in your heart that you just do not want to forgive this person. People. And they were close to you. 
and it was hurtful what they did. But I feel like God is saying tonight, give it to him. Give it. Just let it go because the minute that you let it go, it's going to come out of your heart. He's going to take it away and the issues that you've been struggling with, you're going to get freedom. Because like David said earlier, and when he talked about forgiveness, if he didn't forgive that, the, the prosecutor who did horrible things to him, Jesus will not forgive him. Because see, sin is sin. No matter what the sin is, it doesn't matter. It can be somebody murdering someone. It can be you fornicated. It can be you lied. It can be you're a coward. Whatever it is, it's still sin. And so I want you to let it go today because I want to see freedom in you. So I'm going to pray for you right now. So Heavenly Father, I just see your hand coming down right now on my heart, on your heart, you. And I just speak to you right now, the love of God to fill you. Lord, I pray for your presence to just fall right now so that you can be free in the name of Jesus because that's why he died. That's why he was hung on a cross. He was humiliated. He was violated. He knows what pain is like. He knows what betrayal is like. It's not new to him. So Lord, I ask that you help. Help them forgive now, to let go tonight, to let go because you want to wash that pain away. You want to wash the stains away. You want to bring healing to their soul, to their heart, to their body, to their mind. You want the torment to stop. So I want you to just repeat after me and just say the words. Jesus, help me to forgive. I choose by the act of my will to forgive. And then say it in your head or say it out loud. Forgive so-and-so. Give me the name. And Jesus, help me to receive your healing my own forgiveness. Forgive me where I have been in sin. Change my heart tonight. And I thank you in advance for my miracle. The gift of forgiveness. And now, Lord, I thank you for your presence and your love to just wash over them right now in Jesus' name. Lord, there's no love like yours and we can't live through this life without your love. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence to fall right now over every woman, every man, every child, over every single one of us. I pray his presence to fall over you right now in Jesus' name. And for the torment to stop in the name of Jesus. And I break the play, the tapes that play over and over. I delete the repeating tapes right now. We sever it in the name of Jesus. And we renew your mind to the mind of Christ. John 3.16. For God so loved this world. He so loved this world. That he gave his only begotten son. 
who died for you so that your sins can be forgiven and your wounds be healed and your iniquities be forgiven. So receive this forgiveness today. So Lord, I just release a new joy. I pray for a new joy to fill your heart, a new song to fill your heart right now. The oil of gladness to just flow from heaven, overflowing over your head right now in Jesus' name. He's doing a new work in your life right now. I see it. I see it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you are washing away the darkness and you're bringing in your light. And that light is just going to shine brighter and brighter for you every day. And I stand in agreement with you for your healing, for whatever need it is that you need right now, for your family, for your finances, for your friends, for your spouse. We stand in agreement. And we had a special prayer request come in, so I pray for Pauline Zerber right now. We speak healing to you in the name of Jesus. We break the spirit of infirmity off of you right now in Jesus' name. And we declare you well and whole, regenerated, rejuvenated in the name of Jesus. We bless you in the name of the Lord. And if you have a prayer request, put it in the text box because we are going to pray for you. And um, I'm actually going to be doing a fast. I'm doing a five-day fast. I want to invite any one of you to join me in this fast. I'm starting tomorrow. And I'm fasting for some of my family members for different things, for healing and breakthrough and things for the new year, vision for the new year. So I want to invite you guys, if you want to fast with me, um, we're gonna, I'm going to start tomorrow. And what do I fast, you might say? Well, you ask the Lord. For some of you, maybe it's you fast sweets. Maybe if you have a potty mouth, you fast in the sink. <laughs> <laughs> I fasting dinner. Um, that's what I feel called to do. And um, so anyway, so I invite you to do that. And I also want to let you guys know about uh, the podcast I just released called Reveal the Diamond Within. And I'm so excited because you're going to be so inspired and we have incredible stories that you're going to relate to. And tomorrow, uh, I'm like midweek, I'm going to release special um, special releases. Every Tuesday is when I have my general show at 9 o'clock. It, it airs, so you can tune in wherever you're listening from. I'm on 18 different channels, Spotify, Google, um, iHeartRadio. So whatever you listen Apple. to, Apple, all of that. And um, so but tomorrow... I have a very special guest, and her name is Sharon Murphy. She's a mom of four, and I love this woman dearly. She is an incredible, amazing woman of God, and um, we did like an intro. So she's going to talk about, uh, we're going to address identity and the importance of identity and her experience that she's had working with me in the Royal Princess Crowning Program. And uh, for those of you that don't know, I have a, a royal princess ceremony where I crown women and girls of all ages, and I release identity to them. I declare who they already are, the daughter of the king. But we're going to go into some of that and, uh, and share. So it's, gonna, it's a good conversation. It's short, sweet, but power-packed, and we have awesome prayer for you at the end. So that's going to check our Facebook, Quantum Kingdom, a light for tomorrow. 
It'll air at 9 a.m. tomorrow on Thursday. So we to see you there. And you can also access it at revealthediamondwithin.com. Revealthediamondwithin.com. And if you can't remember that, you remember Joanna's name? You can put in joannaspodcast.com. Joannaspodcast.com. And that one's easier to remember. Yeah. And if you want to sew online, give online partner with us. We are sending out about another 90 bonded leather bound Bibles on Wednesday. We're doing some Christmas cards as well. Next week. Next week. So that's uh, today's Wednesday. It'll be next Wednesday. The 21st, I think. 21st, yeah. 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 So we're going to be in Orlando. If you want to know more about if you want to give for that cause, we're sending out the Bible. That's right. Those on the Bible waiting list and helping change lives. One Bible at a time. My life has changed because somebody cared enough with the love to send me a Thompson Chain bonded leather study Bible. And that's how I got 20,000 hours in the Word. And that's how I am. You know, knowledgeable in the, in the Word of God today is because I had a 20-year timeout to study <laughs> and a Bible. So if not, I'd come out a great domino, dominoes player. I'd be a dominologist since I've got a doctor in theology. So it's what do you give people and what they do with it. So anyway, I'm David, my lovely wife. Joanna. God bless you guys. Say, say goodbye, week. everybody. Bye. Bye. The future is bright. We love you with the love of God. Bye-bye.